You're listening to Errol Parker and Clancy Overall, editors of the Batuta Advocate on Desert Rock FM. Welcome back to the Batuta Advocate radio show. Errol Parker here. Clancy Overall is uh, off sick doing something. I'd say he's sick. He's uh, been asked to use up his annual leave by the board. So this week we've got Wendell Hussey in on the program. Wendell, how are you? Yeah, going really well. Thanks, Errol. Look, I actually saw on Clancy's Instagram story a photo of Piers Morgan. So I think maybe he might have been catching up with him potentially. Uh, he's back in the country for the TV show. So, Well, yeah, I think, uh, look, I'd say I'm probably one of the only people on earth who's seen Clancy without a beard. And if you compare him up against Piers Morgan, he's a dead ringer. Mm. So it all yeah, makes yeah, sense yeah. to me, mate. Yeah, meeting of the minds. Um, so look, good to be filling in for Clans, and great to have the return of the Bunjalung Falcon. <laughs> yes, I'm back. I'm back, and great to see you two, fellas. <laughs> yes, it's good to see you too, Troy. And for those listening at home who can't see Troy on the big screen here, Troy Casadale's back for his second appearance on the Batuta Advocate Radio Show, and this time it's uh, a project that I'd say probably isn't born out of lockdown. This time, Troy. No, this was actually recorded well before uh, lockdowns and face masks and all that sort of stuff. And I didn't even get a chance to have a look at these tracks before I went into COVID. I was just, you know, everyone was too busy. And if it wasn't for COVID, I don't think I would have actually had the time to sit down and actually, you know, go through all the recordings. We had 82 shows to go through. And if you want to listen to yourself for 82 shows, you're a better man than me, I can tell you. Because you were recording it all, weren't you, as well? Sound checks, all the bits and pieces? The whole lot. And I had my daughter with me. She was doing, you know, the gap year thing. And I said, listen, if you really do love music, this is going to be the one that's going to get you over the line. You know, you're going to really fall in love with it or hate it because there's early mornings, you know, there's flights, there's long drives and all that crap. And, um, and she said, look, I'll take you up on that offer. But I really wanted to take her around. I particularly booked all the places that I've actually really loved since I was 20 years old and took her there and um, yeah. got, a, got a chance so she could see the country. Bit of a tour guide from Dad there. Yeah, definitely. definitely. So it's it's 50 songs and 50 towns, and you're saying it's from 82 different shows that you did. Who did go through and go, we want this song from this show and we want it from this town? How did that all come about? Who had to sit down and listen to it? Or was there some kind of back and forth that you mean like, I reckon that one was a good one, I reckon that one was a good one, pick those? Look, it's a good question because I, I couldn't listen to 82 shows. There's no way. Neither could my poor manager, you know. So <laughs> what I what I did, I, I, I made note every night I came off stage. We knew we were going to record the lot. But yeah. every, every every sound check, every time I came off stage, I'd always mention to my manager or my, uh, my front of house fellow who did the recording, I'd say, look, I really enjoyed the version of this song tonight. I love the feel of this crowd here, you know, whether we played in Coots Crossing or we're up there in, in Jabiroo in the Northern Territory. There were certain things, and my daughter also would come off stage and say, now that show in Darwin was like the highlight of the whole thing for me. Mm. Um, make sure if there's anything you use of mine, Dad, make sure it's something from Darwin or, or Jabiru gets used, you know. So we made note of things, not thinking we were ever going to get to this stuff. It was always like pie in the sky. But you get two years locked down, you get plenty of time on your hands. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of free time to listen to some stuff. <laughs> oh, mate, I tell you, I was that bored, and I was so bored I went, how about we have a look at those songs? <laughs> <laughs> Thirty-two towns would have missed out. Then, do you reckon there'll be any that are that are filthy? They didn't make the cut. There's probably a couple that were such bad shows they don't deserve to be there. <laughs> because there, there's there's a couple of shows, and I won't mention towns, but they were 
really, really shitty crowds, like not bad in numbers, but just talk over you when you're trying to do an acoustic show, you know? Yeah, yeah right. And my daughter would come off and go, Dad, I think they hated me at this show. And I'd say, well, you know, that's what happens. It's, that's entertainment, darling. Yeah. <laughs> that's just Sydney, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know. Are you saying that Sydney didn't get a run in this thing? I, I didn't even remember Sydney. There. I, I thought we had Sydney. So we had Thoreau. Is yep. that close enough? <laughs> uh, well, I think the people of that town would be a bit dirty if you lumped them in with those people down there in Sydney, I'll tell you what. <laughs> and probably vice versa too. <laughs> Touring around with your daughter, Jem, the new Casa Daily on the block, how was that experience? Oh, look, it was amazing to have your kid out there. Um, I'd been through some pretty awful things in getting the chance to have to keep working through that mm. grief that I had. It was good having her with me, to tell you the truth, Wendell. It was a hard time. I lost a really good mate as well through suicide, yeah. who was a guitar-playing friend. So, yeah, we spent a lot of time... You know, she used to stay in a room near me and she'd always have a bit of a knock on the door and come and get me a cup of tea and just make sure I was okay. And and I didn't, I haven't seen that side of my daughter because she's never had to really console me or look after me. But this couple of weeks that we were out there on the road when things were pretty dire, I was also fighting with a mother. That didn't help me too much either. And um, she wasn't taking sides either. She's a very neutral kid. And, you know, she really did sort of be on the road at the right time for me. Yeah, right. Sounds um, like she's pretty switched on for a young kid going off, doing all that sort of stuff, looking out for you and really stepping up there. Oh, she's definitely, um, you know, older than her years. She's only still 21. But, yeah, she's got a big heart and um, and I think she really did um, understand what was going on in my life at the time too, which, which wasn't flash. 2019, the best thing to come out of it was the tour with my daughter and to be able to hold on to these recordings. I can hear in the recordings the little bit that I listened to I could hear in there the, the certain nights where it was really affecting me and then the other nights where you felt like the, the crowd was just a buffer for you and they were just riding along like a cloud, you know. Yeah. <laughs> were there a fair few eye-opening experiences for her on that? Were there some things where you had to go, yeah, Jim, this is going to happen? You know, you're talking about the crowd talking over and probably a bit sourced up, I'd imagine, when they're kind of making a bit of noise and not uh, being the best crowd. Were there a few things like that that you had to go, oh, this is what's going to happen if you want to do this going forward? Yeah, well, we were standing in the line at about 4.45 trying to get on this flight and she was looking very shabby because she had about, you know, three hours sleep. And she said, Dad, this is shit. <laughs> and I said, <laughs> welcome to the entertainment industry. There, there was a few of those moments where she was Welcome like, to first grade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there was that moment. There was also moments sitting in the car where she's asleep and I've taken a few photos of her with the mouth open on the pillow. <laughs> And showed her, showed her, I told her the first thing I was going to do was chuck it on Insta and shame her out in front of all her friends. There were a few, <laughs> you, you, you got to play the, the, the normal pranks, the dad pranks. Yeah, on yeah, yeah. Yeah, for the main part, she was a pretty resilient little plant, you know. She didn't take too much looking after. Uh, she was always on time. She was always in the foyer on time. And I taught her that from early on because there's nothing worse than having that one member of the band that's going to be late to the foyer and they're making everyone hang around waiting for them. And I said, don't be that person if you can, you know. If you can, yeah, yeah. nice. Well, Troy, we've come to the conclusion that uh, the worst crowd's probably in Sydney. Where were the best crowds? <laughs> <laughs> no, Sydney was all right. Yeah, I, yeah. I, okay, I can tell you now, um, yeah. the, best, the best crowds for us, I think we played this little tiny hall near Grafton where I come from and it's in Coots Crossing. And I have to say, it, was, it could only hold maybe 110 people. 
they made singers. It was a real old-fashioned country thing. But the lady that used to book this particular gig, for me as a young bloke, still books the gig. Yeah. And, you know, that's a big full circle moment for me. And it was also for Jem. I said to Jem, you're going to love this place. I said, you know, half the crowd will be our family and the other half will be just friends and that that we've made over the, I've made over the years and that, that she's met. And it was just the most incredible gig. There was amazing. Up through Arnhem Land, yeah. where I first started going, when I was about 20 years old, I started going up there with, with a tour uh, and I haven't stopped since. I've been going up there for 35 years. And I took her up there as well. And for her to meet all the people that I first met up there was pretty special. She saw crocodiles at Carl's Crossing going into Arnhem Land. She saw all the real stuff. She, she met a lot of traditional owners up there. And it was pretty incredible to introduce my kid, like I have done with my son, to my friends that I've had up there for such a long time, you know. And um, she's got her own. I know we're talking about the 50 songs, 50 towns, but Jem's got her own thing going now as well. She's just launching her career too, solo. Oh, mate, she's she's been going great guns, and um, once again, you know, you know, every time she overthinks stuff, I sort of send her on to a mother. She's more like a mother than me. I don't overthink anything, <laughs> and um, she sort of goes to a mum. Oh, I haven't got a dress and stuff like that, and uh, and the mother goes, Oh, well, you better get onto it. And then she's the mother's hemming it up before the show. I don't suffer all that stuff. But she has a great <laughs> little career going. She's got a little EP out at the moment. And um, we went to the launch the other night and even a brother who hates getting up and singing with her got up and sang with her. And just they, they sounded so beautiful together. I, I'm just really proud of both of them. Like Clay really thinks the world of his sister and is really supportive. But, you know, she's she's got a lot of great things. I think she's, a, I don't know whether it's announced yet, but she's doing, maybe I'll have to do a scoop here on Batuta. <laughs> I think she's going away with Thelma Plum at some stage, but I hope that's for real because otherwise I might have blown it for her. But she's she's... <laughs> She's pretty excited. Yeah, that, that's a yeah, that's a big go. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think Thelma's amazing, mm. and um, and Jem's idolised her for years as a young Indigenous woman who talks the talk and doesn't just talk, mm. but she walks it as well. Um, I think she's a great role model for Jem, and um, I've just been really chuffed to see that any opportunities that are coming Jem's way, she's taken with a bit of grace. You know, she's not getting too excited or worried about things she just gets there and plays and um it's when she plays is when she gets more work which is lovely it's the best mm. way to do it yeah right that does sound very exciting since you were last on the show you had a pretty notable achievement i believe you chalked up 40 golden guitar awards and passed um a couple of blokes by the name of slim dusty and lee kernigan to go right to the top of the table how was that moment when all that kind of happened what was the thought process there Oh yeah, that was that was a real double-edged sword for me because the, the first thing I didn't want to do is is break any records of Slim's or Lee's, you know, because um, Slim and Lee were, were equal at the time, and I had this conversation with Lee as well. Like, like we've been mates for a long, long time, and I said it, it's really not sitting with me. I feel like I should be doing what Tubby Taylor did and yeah. declare before you get to the Don's <laughs> record, you know. And and Lee Lee sort of graciously said, "Look, mate, you know, we're going to have to keep moving forward." That's the way our industry has to work, you know. And, and then I got in touch with uh, Slim Dusty's widow, Joy McKean, and she put me at ease when she said, whatever happens on that night that we had the awards, she said, just know that the Dusty family are barracking for you. And she made the whole thing feel okay. It didn't sit with me for a long time, and it was only until I was a week out that this smart-ass mate rang me and said, you know that if you get two Golden Guitar Awards, you're going to be past the great Slim Dusty. Yeah. And I just went, yeah, I didn't really need to hear that, but that's all I could think about on the week running in there. I went straight from Blues Fest 
where my wife got COVID and we went straight up to Tamworth and she locked her, had to lock herself in a room and isolate in Tamworth for the whole week, poor thing. <laughs> was there almost a part of you then that was like, oh, maybe I'll just have one and then I'll just leave it at that, you know? Mate, it was definitely the Don't give me mind. that yeah. second award this year. Well, I suppose you could have done what Matthew Hayden did and score 380 against a bunch of uh, accountants and farmers from Zimbabwe. I mean, you know, <laughs> at least you haven't done that. You've done it against tier one opposition. Yeah, look, I mean, you know, obviously Lee and I are good mates and obviously I've loved Slim's music since I was a kid, so it was a tough one, but... It's a wonderful thing to have to look back on now, and I'm sure my grandkids one day might look that look that up and go, "Hey, well, that was pretty cool that old Poppy did that," you know. Yeah, I reckon <laughs> they might. You, you had a story last time you were on the show. You were talking about the first time you met Slim and the bits and pieces of advice he gave. Are you starting to kind of get to the point now where you're becoming a bit of a godfather figure to? the industry are you noticing a lot of people coming up to you younger guys looking for advice seeing you as that real figure that kind of overlooks the industry or the guy who's just done it all i definitely have i mean i noticed that a few years ago once the young guri kids started calling me uncle and (laughs) (laughs) you know that's not going away so (laughs) and i wear that with pride yeah i do get i do get a lot of kids you know getting in touch through instagram have a look at my single, let me know what you reckon. And you can't get back to everyone. We, we get quite a lot of that. But I do like the kids that come with genuine questions about where they should be going next because, I mean, I, I had all those questions that I used to ask Slim. Mm. And Slim's advice was very simple to me and, and, and mine is exactly the same. I, I often say to themselves, you know, just find your story, you know. Everyone's got a story. And whether it's good or bad or indifferent or whatever, we've got a story and you've got to be able to tell that story and make that's what makes you unique. So uh, there's a lot of kids that do ask and I love that. I mean, I'm all for it, but it, there's only a matter of time that I've got to be able to get back to everybody and I'm sure they understand that we're yeah, all busy, yeah. you know. Speaking of the next generation, I've been noticing a little bit, not so much in the country scene, but there's been a few samples and remixes getting around in modern music. Land Down Under's getting around. There's Stone Roses. Yeah. There's a few different ones. If there was kind of some from this next generation of maybe, you know, the more EDM, poppy kind of stuff, that electronic music, what do you reckon, what one of your songs could potentially be good for a bit of drum and bass behind it and a bit of a hype chorus? What do you reckon? I had a bloke years ago that did a um, a remix of one of my tunes and turned it into a dance song and it scared the life out of me. <laughs> and he sent it to me yeah. and he said, can you just do another vocal on this and send it back? And it was on full-on Euro- European Euro disco stuff. I don't know what that is. But, um, yeah, there was a song called Big, Big Love, but I, I should try and find that copy and send it to you guys. Yeah, it's, I would love to hear that. It's Mate. very, very wacky. <laughs> and, uh, but but it's, it's a good wacky. And, and I'm, I think that if I brought it out now and sort of gave it to some kids to use, I'm sure it would probably get a bit of run of, of, of airplay because it's actually it's right up that alley. I never thought of that. So thanks, guys. I might actually do yeah, that. Yeah, might get some airtime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Get some big plays for that one. Whereabouts are you now? We are halfway through a tour, half time at the moment. Halfway through a tour. Ian Moss and I have been doing the touring all over the, the countryside and it's been amazing doing this tour with Ian. We've been to just about every corner of the country so far. We haven't covered Adelaide and Western Australia and stuff, so we're going to get into those two states, South Australia and stuff like that. Um, It's been incredible sitting on stage with Ian because, you know, we've been mates for a long, long time, but mm. we've never had a chance to make any music. So he's 
he had a month off in his schedule and I decided I'd take a month off too, just in between everything. And just who wants to go out at winter time anyway? It's, it's a bit of a, oh, a bit of a mate, suck, suck everyone time to go in out. Victoria, mate. That's when they come into their own. The Tasmanians, you know, these are people who hate summer. It was cold enough when we went to Tasmania in summertime. <laughs> oh, mate, they live in the cold down there. No, I, I gather that's when it is time to come out. But we did Melbourne and played down there. It was it was freezing cold, and but everyone still came out. But that's that's been incredible, and we, we're doing some recordings of that as well. One day we might release twelve tracks of things that we've you know discovered on our way through with that Ian and I have done but it's been great playing with someone like him he's he's rock and roll royalty Ian. Mm. Yeah. amazing yeah yeah and i hear there's a little bit of artwork getting made at the moment yeah look i'm i'm restoring an eh at the moment and um my wife doesn't know half of what i've spent on this stupid thing <laughs> <laughs> and if there's anyone listening that would understand it or appreciate yeah. that you know you know yeah, you've mate, got it's a, a need to a, know basis that type of stuff mate very very much so it, so you're squirreling away guitars and then selling something to buy new sets of wheels and all this crap but i've done some artwork at the same time so what i'm going to do is to make sure that I give people a chance to see the car because a few of them have been sort of saying, hey, when are you unveiling this bloody old thing, you know? And so we're going to do an art little art show. I've been doing some painting at the moment. We're going to do a little exhibition plus unveiling of the car. The car's got – it's an EH and it's got a V8 in it. Yep. So it's, it's going to look pretty smick and it sounds amazing. It already got knocked back for its first, uh, you know, DB test. <laughs> so I gather it's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, just as long as it doesn't hum like a Tesla, mate, I'm sure it'll definitely be a crowd pleaser. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so uh, that might be getting unveiled around August? Is that what we're thinking? Yeah, around August, yeah, we're going to do that in Brizzy here and um, and just, just give people a chance. I'll pop the bonnet and they can have a squeeze at that as well as the artwork and then do some songs, make a little show of it as well. So it'll be like an album launch for mm. these 50 songs. Yep. and. I don't even know why I'm doing it. And my, my manager said, look, all that art stuff you're doing, you should be doing a little exhibition and print some off so people can actually buy a couple of prints. And I didn't even think of that. I don't think, like I say, I don't overthink anything. Mm. Yeah. And uh, as long as I know where the, where the car's going to be parked when it gets back, I'll be all right. No, well, that's all the data manager is really. He's a paid thinker. Well, you know, my manager's really, really good at doing the thinking for me and she yeah. does all the organising. But if I can get in the car and get across town and, and um, park it there so they people can see the the, the yep. motor and stuff. I think I'll be more than happy. But all I got to do is sing. So that's the best job in the world, really. Yeah. One thing I've noticed over the last little while, Troy, and um, just curious to hear your thoughts about what can be done. Not a lot of TV shots I've noticed on the Instagram and the Twitter lately in terms of <laughs> a certain rugby league team. Um, been been a not not quite as many as last year around um, no. the back end of last year. Yeah, look, I I think the trouble is I just don't think Twitter and alcohol are a good mix. <laughs> My wife says to me, "Look, when Uncle Troy comes out, you know, just be really careful." And it's it's funny because I've, I've really let go sometimes, but we haven't had a lot of wins. Nah. So we're just we're just cruising at the moment. We're just finding our feet. Latrell's obviously getting that hammy sorted out. Yeah, He's back yeah. in the country now and. And poor old New South Wales, we're hoping he'd come back, but that's just very unfortunate there. So. How, how, how relieved do you reckon they were at South Sydney when they managed to be like, hey, he's not playing game two, it's not happening. He's not going to Perth, guys. I mean, yeah. you know, Josh had Josh had O'Carr still out there at Bloody Bulldogs. They should have put him in there. But yeah. yeah. What's he done to Freddie? What's happened there at the back end of last year? Something's going on. I don't know what Pranged was said, his car but, um, or something yeah. at training. 
Yeah, or, I don't know whether he, he was putting rocks wanna... in someone's bag. Or something, <laughs> yeah, he filled, up, what was he filled up Freddie's bag with rocks and then all the boys laughed at him and that was it. Freddie's had enough. <laughs> that was it. You or can he... take 2022 off, mate. Yeah. <laughs> or he yeah. doesn't want to do the 8 a.m. yoga class. Yeah, 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 no. the barefoot. That's right. The, um, the earthing, that's what Freddie likes to <laughs> do after the yoga. Earthing down there at Coogee Oval. <laughs> he loves no, but the you know, I, I do. I do stay away from Twitter on footy nights at the, at the moment. But I probably yep. will get back into the swing of it when I get back. When Uncle Troy's allowed off the leash again, you know, he mm. has a bit of a time. So I've got to be careful. Yeah, well, look. Hopefully, they time their run, and then come the end of the year, give you something to um something to cheer about. I hope so. Well, I'm a long-suffering West Tigers fan, Troy. So, oh, you, know. you poor bugger. You yeah. and Anthony Wiggle, man. Oh, yeah. He's a bit like Uncle Troy at times too. I've noticed he, he gets off the leash when that, that skivvy comes off and he gets there and he, he's, he's very frustrated mm. getting refed out of games, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. <laughs> those refs, I mean, they're just – it's a killer, you know. Just every, oh, every week it just seems to be – Costing us, I don't know. Yeah, something we got to work on with the refs. I think just the way we. Talk I think so. Maybe because uh, I, I do. I did get on a bit of a thing about the bunker, but I got to let it go. I really do. Just lastly, Troy. So we've got ten songs a month dropping until August, and then you can collect them all. The three CDs. It all comes out completely then in August there. Yeah, Wendell, I just thought we'd just drip feed it out. There, there was not meant to be a big fuss about doing this recording, but I, I really. The more I actually got involved in putting it together, the more inspired I was to actually make sure that people knew it was out. And, like, I'm not hardly doing much press at all. Really, all I wanted to do was let people know that if you want a, an honest record with 50 mm. songs on it to go for a drive across the country with, yeah, this yeah. is probably the CD or you might want to you know download it or stream it or whatever you do these days. But there's still a lot of people in my older Uncle Troy generation that want to buy a CD and want to stick it in their car and go across the country, you know, and, and yeah. play it as 50 well. 50 songs so, would get you a fair way too, wouldn't it? Fair. What's that? Yeah. Yeah, lots to take in. You go probably halfway from Grafton to Sydney. You'd get Grafton well, to Brizzy easy, wouldn't you, 50 songs? Well, you'd think so, yeah. I wouldn't put anyone through that. Not one big hit. You just got to <laughs> well, just dole yourself on it, you know? Yeah, yeah. In yeah. the EH, maybe going <laughs> flat out, you know, with your... <laughs> with your headphones in, probably. Yeah, and you, the won't, windows you won't up. hear it in that. No. <laughs> so in the first uh, edition here, we uh, have recordings from places like Milton and Yamba, both two places that you know are quite similar but on either ends of the spectrum, I'd say. And then we go out to places locally here to Batuta, out there to Blackhall, home of Jackie Howe, and over across to Port Hedland. Is there anywhere you didn't really go, Troy? Well... We only had 80-odd shows, so we, we sort of had to make sure we just got to everywhere we could. Yep. But to be honest, I mean, and, and one of the reasons I did so many shows was that my wife and I were having such trouble. I was actually booking things to get away from home. Yeah. And that's no word of a lie. I, I was like, I was running in 2019 <laughs> and running from all sorts of things. But this record is the result of a whole bunch of shows that we could just physically make. We are even adding, adding them on the run. Yep. We wanted to get to Western Australia. We did parts of Western Australia like Mandurah. I got a chance to take my daughter for a walk there and there was dolphins and stuff carrying on in the water right near us. And so all those experiences that she had, I'm hopefully she'll be able to carry them for the rest of her life now. And when she does travel, she'll at least understand where she is. Yeah. 82 shows. That's a big, big run. We ever do another run like that again? Uh, if I'm divorced, I probably would. <laughs> Um, you know, Willie Nelson does more than that. Yeah. So that's that's getting up into his territory. He does about 
he, he one year he, I think he told me he did 250 shows in one year yeah mate he's a vampire that bloke I reckon it's just a machine a machine <laughs> he so sleep. yeah 82 is nothing compared to Willie Nelson yeah <laughs> there you go well, thanks, Troy. It's been a great interview, mate. And we're looking forward to catching you out on the road. I think it's going to be an absolutely cracking three-set volume of... Mm. Mate, it's an absolute road atlas. Well, it's something that I've never done. I've never done a live acoustic record like this. And it's it's something that if it wasn't for COVID, I probably would... It'd still be on a bloody hard drive somewhere in the studio. Yeah. So there's silver linings to a lot of the things that happened in COVID. But, you know, I made a record as well and got to sing out my blues in that. And then we also had time to sit down and um, and actually find these songs. And if, if people can enjoy them, that's great. And and I'm like I say, you fellas just have to keep up the good work with what Batuta does. I get <laughs> such a trip out of just opening up Instagram and just laughing my ass off. <laughs> and and you just got to keep it going because you know we needed that. And that's that's a, that's a lot of that humour got us through COVID when things were really shitty. You guys made it really really work for me. So thank you. Well, mate, we'll just have to keep going until Albo comes to close us down <laughs> with the AFP or something, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or just Hide make us part of the state now. media. Yeah, yeah. mate. <laughs> Cheers, Troy. No worries. Thanks, we'll Troy. Lovely to talk to you. We'll hang out for that uh, European dance music track. I'll be sending it straight to you when I find it. <laughs> Thanks, mate. <laughs> Thanks, Troy. See you, boys. Yeah.